Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is episode 97 of the podcast here on Wednesday, March 8th, 2023. Thank you all so much for listening. We got a big podcast this week. It is actually March, as I said. And March is one of my favorite months of the year because the weather starts to get warm sometimes, not every year. And also, there's a lot of basketball on. Not just basketball, important basketball, especially in the college game. March Madness, have you ever heard of it? That happens in the month of March. And before we get to March Madness in the big tournament, we have conference tournaments in college basketball. It is champ week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. Basketball is on nonstop, and I've got the whole breakdown that you need for champ week this year. I got it. And I got all the facts on this week's edition of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. That's in just a second. And also, we're going to talk about regional sports networks, because the way that you actually watch, not college basketball, but things like the NBA and MLB and NHL, the way you watch your local teams, could be changing in the near future. So we're going to talk about all that coming up right here on episode 97 of the Xander's Facts podcast. But before we do all that, I just thought I would remind you all that if you like the Xander's Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 97, rate and review the podcast, then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I'm on all those, at Xander's Facts, that is Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about Xander's Weekend Facts, which is our weekly newsletter that comes out every Sunday morning. If you did not know, you can sign up for free to get it in your email every Sunday morning. Check it out. Episode's description has the link. Check out the Xander's Facts link tree, which is also linked below because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for the Xander's Facts website, xandersfacts.com, which houses the one and only Xander's Facts Shop. Get your facts swag at xandersfacts.com. Who doesn't love facts swag? Who would? Let's get now to our topic for this week, one of my favorite topics that we do every year. This is our third year on the Xander's Facts podcast, talking March college basketball, one of my favorite things in the entire world. It is champ week. One of the greatest weeks of the year is back. And actually, I have to tell you all that on Sunday night, I attended my first ever NBA game. Whoa. And that was pretty cool. But we're not talking about professional basketball this week. I'm going to talk about that later because I did go with our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. He's going to be on the podcast when the playoffs roll around for the NBA, which is in about a month. So right when we finish up college hoops, then we have to get to the important basketball for professional basketball. So I'll definitely get into that when the time comes. But this week, we are talking some college hoops because we've made it to March. You know what that means. I've said it a million times already on this podcast. It is champ week. There are 32 Division I collegiate athletic conferences that sponsor the sport of men's college basketball. And they are all hosting their conference tournaments. Some of them started last week. Some of them are starting this week. 
The Power Six conferences, the ones that you probably know, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big East, the Big 12, the Pac-12, the SEC, they're all doing their conference tournaments this week. But as I said, several other conferences began their tournaments last week. And if you didn't know, each conference tournament, the team that wins it is guaranteed a spot in the NCAA tournament. So 32 tickets will be punched for the NCAA tournament over the next, well, now it's just half a week until we get to Sunday, which is when the conference tournaments conclude. But before they even announce on Selection Sunday the field, we already know 32 teams that automatically qualify. And then the rest, the 36 teams, the other ones, are at-large teams. The committee thinks they were good enough, even if they didn't win their conference tournament, to be in the big dance the NCAA tournament. Good to know. So, we've already had some tickets that were punched. 11 conferences have already concluded their conference tournaments as of Tuesday night. The teams that we already know are going to the tournament, we know 11 of them, they are from the Atlantic Sun Conference, Kennesaw State, UNC Asheville from the Big South, Charleston, College of Charleston from the Colonial Athletic Association, the CAA, they are 30-3 and three on the air. Watch them against my Hokies. That was good for Charleston, but they're really good. Northern Kentucky from the Horizon League. Drake from the Missouri Valley Conference. From the Northeast Conference, Fairleigh Dickinson did not win their conference championship. They played Merrimack. Merrimack, however, is transitioning to Division One, And so the NCAA has this stupid rule where if you're transitioning from lower division to Division One. You can't play in the tournament or postseason events for a couple years. So Merrimack wasn't eligible for the tournament, even though they beat Fairleigh Dickinson in the conference championship game. Fairleigh Dickinson still is the team out of the Northeast Conference that goes to the tournament. So there's all that. That was dumb. In the Ohio Valley, Southeast Missouri State, Furman from the Southern Conference, the SOCON, it's their first tournament since 1980. Oral Roberts is coming out of the Summit League, Louisiana from the Sun Belt, and Gonzaga from the West Coast Conference. Not really a surprise there. But those are the teams that already know they are going dancing. But we got a lot more tickets to punch, including from the Power Six conferences, the ones with the biggest schools who likely host a lot of the top title contenders. Those are the ones that we're going to be breaking down this week on the podcast, the Power Six conferences, because those are the teams that you probably know, the teams that probably going to make some noise in the NCAA tournament. There's always the St. Peter's or the Cinderella's or the teams we don't know, the Loyola Chicago's. But these are the big conference tournaments that are happening this week, and I've got all the facts for you and some picks on who was going to win them. Here we go! So let's get to it right here on the Xander's Facts Podcast, episode 97. Let's start with the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. I mean, the best conference, obviously, but as has seemingly been the norm for the last several years, the ACC's looked a little bit below the best conferences. Hasn't looked like that great of a basketball conference in the last few years, but It looked like after last season, the league had a ton of momentum, because if you don't remember, half of the Final Four slate was ACC teams, and it was Duke and Carolina, and they met up in the Final Four, and it was Coach K's last game, and Carolina beat them, and Carolina beat them in Coach K's final home game 
at Cameron Indoor Stadium, too. So even though Carolina didn't win the national championship last year, I think that was good enough. Probably the best consolation prize they could have ever asked for. But those teams, Carolina and Duke, have been out of the rankings for a while, despite Carolina starting the year at the top of the AP poll. Either way, let's take a look at this year's ACC tournament. Start with the top seed. The top seed is not Duke or Carolina. It is Miami, who are number 14 in the AP poll right now. Jim Laranaga is their head coach. And the Canes, they made that surprise run to the Elite Eight last year, if you don't remember. And they look pretty great this year as well. Miami's most impressive win is probably a 22-point beatdown of Duke in Coral Gables. That game wasn't close from the starting tip, but they also have wins over every other conference opponent except for one. That's Georgia Tech. Nice fact. Who is actually 13th of the conference this year, so not so great, but they did beat the 12 seed Florida State in the first round of the tournament on Tuesday because the ACC tournament started Tuesday, the day before this podcast comes out, so the first round's already been played, unlike the other conferences, which all start their tournaments on Wednesday. Miami doesn't play until Thursday. That's when the top four seeds start playing. And on this team that garnered the top seed in the ACC this season, Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, both back from last year, both averaging over 15 points a game. And Norchad Omier is actually averaging a double-double. He's got 14 points and 10 rebounds is what he's averaging per game. Miami is legit. I've watched them a bunch this year. They're the real deal. And they went to the Elite Eight last year, so they have that experience, which, as we've seen in March Madness and in the NCAA tournament, is pretty big, actually, because the teams that have all the one-and-dones haven't fared so well in the NCAA tournament. Now the number two seed is Virginia, number 13 in the country, thanks to losing a tiebreaker with Miami because they lost to Miami this year. They are an assured lock for the tournament, though, this year after they missed out last season. Virginia's lone home loss this year, they didn't lose in conference play. Their only home loss was in the non-conference to Houston, who is currently the top-ranked team in the nation. And they've also got wins over Baylor, Illinois, and NC State, although they couldn't take down Miami. Tony Bennett, though, has three guys who are scoring in double figures this year. Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, and Kihei Clark, the guys to watch for a resurgent Virginia team this year. The third seed of the ACC, though, are the Clemson Tigers, who are actually at the very top of the conference standings for a lot of conference play. Some unusual names at the top of the conference of the ACC a lot this year. The Tigers won 10 of their first 11 conference games, though. That included wins against Duke and NC State, thanks to Hunter Tyson, who's averaging 15 points and 9.5 rebounds per game, and P.J. Hall, who's also averaging 15 points per game, and Chase Hunter, who's averaging 14 points per game and 4.5 assists per game. Clemson has really been middling a lot recently in the ACC under their head coach, Brad Brownell. He's been on the hot seat for what seemed like five years. This may be the year that gets them off the hot seat because they've done really well and they got a double buy in the ACC tournament. And the last team that got a double buy in the ACC tournament is a team with a first-year head coach. That would be Duke and John Shire. Coach K is long gone. Goodbye. Doesn't even go to the games, I don't think. Unlike Roy Williams, who goes to all the Carolina games. John Shire's the head man at Duke. I remember 
And my preseason preview, which was back in October or November, we did that. I said that Duke's probably going to end up like Carolina last year because Carolina had a first-year head coach in Hubert Davis. They didn't start out that hot. And then as the season got going, they, you know, really picked up the pace. They got to the national championship game. I mean, that's what Duke has kind of looked like this year because beginning of the year, early in the year, they had double-digit losses to Purdue, Wake, NC State, and Miami. But Duke has won seven in a row coming into the ACC tournament, including a tough five-point dub against Carolina at the Dean Dome to end the regular season. And the freshman you need to know about this year for Duke is Kyle Filipowski. He averages 15 points, nine rebounds. He's a force. He's not Palaban Caro. He's not like he was last year, but he's still really good. Derek Lively, the second, he's averaging two blocks per game. Jeremy Roach is averaging 13 points per game. Duke and Miami are actually the two teams that had top four seeds in last year's tournament and also in this year's tournament. Those are the top four teams, the teams that earn double buys, so they don't have to play in the first round on Tuesday or the second round on Wednesday. They can just play in the quarterfinals on Thursday and then go to the semifinals and the final. They only have to play three games to be the champion. But last year showed that you don't have to be a top four seed to win the ACC tournament. Thank you, Virginia Tech Hokies. Probably not this year. But to the teams that don't have double buys this year, because they always have a chance, Pitt has transformed into a pretty quality ACC team this year. Head coach Jeff Capel won just six conference games in each of his last three seasons, but they won 14 ACC games this year. Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner both average over 17 points per game for NC State. They've lost four of their last seven games, though. NC State is the sixth seed. They would play Clemson if they can beat Virginia Tech, who beat Notre Dame in the first round. So that game is on Wednesday, and then the winner of that game will face Clemson on Thursday. Pitt would face Georgia Tech on Wednesday. The winner would face Duke on Thursday. But then you get to North Carolina. North Carolina's the seventh seed. And I gotta be honest, like, they've probably had one of the worst years in the history of the AP poll for a team that started the year ranked number one overall. Yikes! That did not last very long. The Heels lost three straight games earlier in the year to Iowa State, Alabama, then Virginia Tech. And then they went on another three-game skid Later, in 2023, in conference play against Pitt, Duke, and Wake, the Tar Heels, they got swept by Duke this year. Carolina's actually going to have to win some games in Greensboro to be able to play in the NCAA tournament because right now, at least Joe Lenardi, the bracketologist for ESPN, he's got him outside looking in right now. And Syracuse, their coach Jim Beheim, has complained this year. He's, He's pretty old. But he's been complaining about schools buying teams like Pitt and Miami and Wake Forest. So that can tell you how it's going at Syracuse. Not so well right now. And then, of course, last year's champion, Virginia Tech, the Hokies. They beat Notre Dame Tuesday night. We're starting to run. But yeah, they're going to have to like, they're going to have to do something even more impressive than be the lowest seed ever to win the ACC tournament. They were a 7 seed last year. They'd probably have to win it as an 11 seed, and that's probably not going to happen. Duke, though, is favored to win the tournament by a bunch of the people in the know, apparently the odds makers. 
Miami and Virginia are the next teams up, according to people in the know. Maybe. But for my ACC pick, I'm actually going to go with the people in the know. I'm going to go with the Duke Blue Devils because you need to be hot in March. It's worked time and time again. You have got to be on your game. Duke is on their game. And they can meet Miami in the semifinals if both teams win on Thursday. That would be an interesting matchup. There really isn't one dominant team in the conference, though, this year. Miami and Virginia are the top two. They're 13th and 14th of the poll, but they haven't really been dominant this year. A seven seed won it last year, so I'm going to say Duke, the four seed, wins the 2023 New York Life ACC Men's Basketball Tournament. It's a fact. Which began Tuesday and continues through Saturday from Greensboro, North Carolina. The championship game is set for Saturday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and you can watch all the games on ESPN, ESPN2, and the ACC Network. So now let's go to the Big 12, the best conference in college basketball. Just like last year, it was the best conference in college basketball. This year, it's even better than last year. Somehow, some way, that happened. I mean, they've produced the last two national champions. They have five teams in the AP Top 25 at the moment, which is tied with the SEC for most at a single conference. And then they have a team in Houston who's not in the league. Houston's number one in the poll right now, but next year they're going to be joining the league. So then you've got another powerhouse in college basketball joining your league. But to preview the Big 12 Conference, let's start with the number three in the AP poll, top seed in the Big 12 the Kansas Jayhawks, the defending national champions. And the Jayhawks, they don't really look anything like last year's side. Not a lot of same guys are back, but Bill Self has rebuilt the Allen Fieldhouse residence into another title contender once again. Jalen Wilson is the one name you're probably going to remember from last year. He's averaging a team-high 20 points per game with eight rebounds. Texas Tech transfer Kevin McCuller Jr. is averaging a team-high 2.5 steals per game, and freshman Grady Dick is averaging 14 points per game on 40% shooting from deep three. While Kansas, they've had some great wins against the likes of Duke, Indiana, Kansas State, Texas, and Baylor. They've had a couple of bad losses against Tennessee, TCU, and Texas. Those aren't bad teams, but the way they've lost, those were double-digit defeats. I mean, all five of their losses are against ranked teams. They've lost to good teams, but some of the way those games have ended, like the loss at Texas was at the end of the regular season. It was by double digits. That's not too great. But speaking of Texas, who's number seven in the country, number two in the Big 12 tournament, they, oh man, it has been a wild ride for the Texas Longhorns. Back in 2022, their head coach, Chris Beard, was ultimately suspended, and then he was fired after he was charged with assault against a family member. Interim head coach, Rodney Terry, though, he's done a great job. They have one of the most talented rosters in the country, but they've kept it together. They really haven't missed a beat. Marcus Carr, Serge Ibari Rice, Timmy Allen, and Tyrese Hunter are all averaging double figures and points. They're names that can dominate a defense. Any day, Texas has a bunch of them. And in the gauntlet of the Big 12, they won five of the nine games they played against ranked conference teams. They are deep, talented, and when Texas wants to win a game, they can usually do that. At the third spot, 
is Kansas State. How about that? Number 12 in the country, third of the Big 12. It's been a stellar season. They have a first-year head coach, Jerome Tang. He was an assistant for Scott Drew at Baylor for basically like 20 years, and he has immediately made an impression in Manhattan, Kansas. They opened up conference play this year with three straight wins against ranked opponents, including a 116 to 103 victory over Texas. Good grief. That is not the type of scoring you see in college basketball. But the Cats also won a massive victory over their in-state rivals, and they beat Tang's former team twice. That would be Baylor. And that would be thanks to Florida transfer Keontae Johnson. You remember Keontae Johnson probably against Florida State a couple years ago at Florida. He collapsed on the court, but now he's leading the team in points, rebounds, and is shooting 42% from deep. He's been awesome. Marquise Knoll is averaging 17 points per game as well. The Wildcats actually have a great shot at winning their first ever Big 12 tournament title. And then we've got the number 10 Baylor Bears rounding out the top four in the Big 12, the team that won the national championship two years ago. The Bears actually started conference play with three straight losses to Iowa State, TCU, and Kansas State, but they quickly turned it around. They won their next six games until they met Texas. That's a little understandable. They also took back-to-back double-digit beatings in the state of Kansas, though, but they were able to beat Texas. They did finish the regular season slate, though, with a loss to Iowa State. With 16 points per game, though, Keontae George has been one of the country's best freshmen. Baylor mainstays Adam Flagler and LJ Cryer. They're both averaging 14.5 points per game, shooting over 40% from three. Baylor's legit once again, and they're the four seed in the Big 12, and we're talking about a national title contender. And then you go below that, you've got Iowa State and TCU, who's number 22 in the AP poll in the next two slots in the Big 12. Horn Frogs at TCU. Of course, you remember their college football run. They've got a pretty decent athletic program right now. The Horn Frogs have a couple of great wins against Kansas and Texas, and Mike Miles Jr. is a great scorer. He's averaging 17 points per game. The Cyclone story is kind of like it was last year. Last year was the first year for their head coach, TJ Otzelberger. They started out really hot. And then they didn't really throughout the rest of the season, even though they made the Sweet 16 last year. Kind of looks like it this year, though they've lost six of their last eight. But that resurgence right at the end in March, you never know. And then the conference boasts two teams who are on the bubble at the moment, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. According to Joe Lenardi, ESPN, West Virginia is a nine seed, and Oklahoma State, as of Tuesday night, is the first team out. And the Cowboys, Oklahoma State, they lost five straight before they ended the regular season with a win over Texas Tech. The Cowboys might need to beat Oklahoma, though, and then Texas to make sure that they're in the tournament. And then West Virginia looks like they could probably be a lock because they got a big win over Kansas State last weekend. Texas and Kansas, though, the defending Big 12 champs, Kansas who also won the national championship. They look like the best bets, according to the odds makers. But you've got Kansas State, Baylor, Iowa State, and TCU. They all have a significant chance. The Big 12 was so deep this year. It just looks like it wasn't even close. Top to bottom, the best conference of college basketball. You are playing a tough opponent night in and night out. So for my Big 12 tournament champion, here comes a fact. I'm going to go with the Loghorns of Texas. 
who will, I think, get through most likely Oklahoma State, Kansas State in the semifinals, even though that'll be tough, and then perhaps Kansas in the final. To me, they've been the most impressive at the conference all year, and that Kansas-Texas final, if we can get that, the top two seeds, that'll be a really good game on Saturday. That would take place Saturday at 6 Eastern on ESPN, the 2023 Phillips 66 Big 12 Men's Basketball Tournament. It begins on Wednesday from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, Missouri, and it goes through Sunday, and you can watch all the games on ESPN, ESPN2, and ESPNU. Now, we're just starting with the big conferences. We've got three big conferences. Big 12 is done. Now let's go to the Big East, where that conference actually has four teams in the poll at the moment. That's a big fact. Headlined by Marquette, Shaka Smart has been doing some pretty great things in his second season in Milwaukee. The conference needs a contender, though, because Jay Wright's no longer at Villanova. Things are not looking the same at the top of the conference. Couple of different names this year. So let's start with those Golden Eagles of Marquette, who are number six in the AP poll. They're the school that hosts their events in downtown Milwaukee, same arena as the Bucks. They've lost three conference games this year. All three of them came against teams in the top five of the Big East standings, teams we're going to get to. Two of those came by five points or less. But like this was not happening last year. The reason for the surge of Marquette, who seem like, kind of like, not a lot of people are talking about him. They're kind of like an underrated team coming into March, I think. Perhaps Kim Jones, he's averaging 15 points per game. Tyler Kolick is averaging 8 assists, shooting 40% from 3. They've got a couple double-digit scores who are also averaging 5 rebounds per game, though, in Olivier Maxence Prosper and Iso Igodoro. Since I don't watch much of the Big East, though, I gotta be honest and say, like, I have not watched a single Marquette game. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta say it. Disrespect! But they've scored a lot of points this year. They've scored over 90 points nine times in college basketball. That's pretty crazy. And a lot of those were in conference play. And they've got a lot of close victories, though. And clutch time, as we know, is important when you're dancing in March. The second seed, though, in the Big East is the number 15 team in the country, the Xavier Musketeers, the return of head coach Sean Miller went to Arizona, got himself into a little bit of trouble at Arizona. Oops! He's back in Cincinnati, and he's done wonders for the side who took the eighth seed in this tournament last year. I mean, earlier in the year, non-conference play, they had three close losses in four games to Indiana, Duke, and Gonzaga. But after that, the Musketeers ripped off an 11-game winning streak, which included victories over then-number two UConn and Marquette. They did lose to the Golden Eagles the second time around, though, but that was just by one point, and they have losses against low seeds DePaul and Butler. Those could be a little worrying. DePaul is the 10th seed. Butler is the 9th seed in the 11-team Big East. Xavier does have three guys averaging over 15 points per game, though. They've got Soli Boom, Colby Jones, and Zach Fremantle. Those are the guys to watch out for the Musketeers, who are the 2 seed. The 3rd seed of the Big East, though, are the Blue Jays of Creighton, who round out the top 25 at number 25 of the AP poll. Ryan Kalkbrenner, once again, the name to watch for Creighton. 15 points per game, he's shooting 70% from the floor. Trey Alexander, Baylor Shireman, and Ryan Nemhard, they also average over 12 points per game. But the Blue Jays, they lost five straight non-conference games at one point this year. 
Some of those were quality losses. Texas and Arizona, quality loss. That's kind of conflicting terms, but it was, you know, not that bad of a loss to Texas and Arizona, but some of them, like Nebraska and BYU, those weren't that great. Blue Jays weren't able to beat Marquette in the two tries they had. They did split the season series, though, with UConn and Xavier. UConn's the next team on this list, spoiler alert. Dang! And they finished off the year with some dominant dubs, thankfully, over the bottom two teams of the conference, DePaul and Georgetown. The four seed, though, belongs to, as I said, the number 11 in the country, UConn Huskies. There was a time this season, UConn was ranked number two in the nation. It was like a throwback to the old Jim Calhoun days of dominance. They were looking great. Sadly, the Big East hasn't been too kind to the Huskies, though. Six losses is what they had in an eight-game span at one point, but they've actually won eight of their last nine, including over Marquette and Providence, and they have taken down Creighton this year. The Huskies are hot entering March, eight of their last nine, Thanks to Adama Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins, who both average over 16 points per game, Tristan Newton's in double figures too. And then you've got Providence next up in the fifth spot. They were the top seed in last year's event for the first time ever. The Friars have taken down each of the four teams named ahead of them this year, except for Xavier. But after that, you've got the sixth seed and the seventh seed, Villanova and St. John's. They're going to probably need to win some games this week if they want to have any hopes of going dancing. Dismal start this year for Nova. It was not looking that great under first-year head coach Kyle Neptune. They've won six of their last eight, though. Eric Dixon is a great scorer who can definitely scare some top teams. So they've got a chance, but they're going to have to win some games this week at Madison Square Garden. UConn actually holds the best odds to win the tournament, according to the odds makers. Creighton's next followed then by Marquette and Xavier. So for my pick of the tournament, I'm also going to go with UConn because going with the hot team, that usually works out. I did that with my first two picks in my first two tournaments. think it's going to work in the Big East along with the Big 12 of the ACC. There's a reason they have the best odds to win. They're the hottest team in the league. I mean, Marquette has the best record in the league. They've won a ton of games, but most of those have been, you know, single-digit not big wins. They haven't won very many games convincingly, but if they met up in the semifinals, I think that'd be a great matchup of the Big East. The 2023 Big East Men's Basketball Tournament presented by Jeep begins Wednesday from Madison Square Garden in New York City, the Mecca. The championship game, that's set for Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox. All of those games can be watched on Fox or FS1. We are halfway through our conference tournaments. How about that? Are we done yet? Let's go now to the last of the bigs, the Big Ten, which I don't know. I mean, I feel like it hasn't fared as well as maybe some of the other big conferences because there's been a couple of really disappointing teams, namely Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Michigan, like big basketball powers in that conference haven't done so well this year. But the state of Indiana, they've been repping well in the Big Ten and Chicago's Big Ten team, just across the state line. We're going to talk about those, but let's start with the top seed in this year's tournament. That is number five, Purdue. The Boilermakers feature probably the most likely candidate for National Player of the Year, Seven foot three Zach Eady. He averages almost 22 points and 13 rebounds per game. He's basically so physically imposing, it is tough for teams to stop him down low. 
Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, they're also averaging double figures in points. I mean, there was a significant amount of time this year where Purdue was number one in the poll, you know, losses to Northwestern, Maryland, and two losses to Indiana. They kind of hurt that. And those losses came in the last eight games. So the time might be right for another team to strike at the top seed. Purdue, I don't know, but could that team be Northwestern? The Wildcats, Chicago's Big Ten team, they stormed the floor earlier this year after they took down the number one Purdue, and then they beat Indiana in the next game for the second time this year. Boilermakers are number two in the Big Ten. It's been hard to close down the stretch, though. They have a three-game skid before they wrapped up with a two-point win over Rutgers to end the regular season, but boo-booey. How about that name? Is averaging 17 points per game. You know, if you're going to root for a team in the Big Ten, just a random team, boo booey. I mean, there you go. The only other ranked team in the Big Ten, though, Northwestern's not ranked. Purdue is. Just the second and only other team that's ranked in the Big Ten right now is Indiana. The number 19 ranked Indiana Hoosiers. Mike Woodson is maybe meeting the expectations of Hoosier fans. It can get a little crazy in Bloomington, Indiana. But senior Trace Jackson Davis is one of the best players in the country. He's averaging 20 points per game, 11 rebounds. Jalen hood Scafina is also averaging 13 points per game. I mean, there have been times this year where I thought that Indiana looked like a real title contender. Maybe the best team in the Big Ten. Debatable. They've also had some questionable losses, though, to the likes of Maryland, Iowa, Penn State, teams that didn't get double buys, you know? But basketball is huge in the state of Indiana. Purdue-Indiana is a big rivalry there. That's the big college basketball rivalry. And Indiana beat them twice. And I think that this is a better team than the one who got beat up earlier this year to Arizona and Kansas. That was obviously non-conference play. We're in 2023 talking about the end of the Big Ten conference play, though. They played a lot more games that I think they're better than they were earlier in the season. Now let's go to the team that rounds out the top four in the Big Ten, the last team that gets a double bye. That's Michigan State. It's been a tough year, though, for Michigan State. They had a shooting, you may have heard, that happened on their East Lansing campus. They had a pretty emotional return to the floor after that. Tom Izzo's side, though, regarding basketball, they haven't been at their best the last few years. They do have a couple double-digit scores, though. Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser, and A.J. Hoggard, they're ones who can lead the Spartans. They have some quality wins, too, over Indiana and Wisconsin and Rutgers. Those two were both ranked at the time when they beat them. They haven't lived up to the task, though, against Purdue. And they've had tough losses against Illinois and Michigan. It's really been hard to be like, is Michigan State like an elite Big Ten team, or are they not? Like, they've kind of been fluxing in between that this year. But they did clinch the fourth seed in the Big Ten tournament. So the last few years, I think the league has been so good. Like we've talked about the Big Ten being so good that they beat themselves up in the regular season because they never they never perform in the tournament. They still have not won a national championship since Michigan State did it back in 2000. That was what we like to call BZ before Xander. I mean, this year, though, it already feels like they've beat themselves up and they're tired. Like. They're still projected to put up 10 teams in the tournament almost. But, I mean, when you look at the teams, you really don't get scared by the likes of Iowa, Maryland, Illinois, Michigan, Rutgers, and Penn State this year. I mean, Maryland, Iowa, Illinois, 
they're likely locks for next week. I remember preseason, I was all hyped on Illinois. I thought they were going to win the national championship. They, you know, a lot of transfers came in, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, and kind of really hasn't for Illinois this year. And then you've got Rutgers. They were ranked earlier this year, but they've lost six of their last eight. Penn State really hasn't gotten a signature win. And Michigan, they've looked better as the season's gone on. But in order to actually get the tournament, I think they're going to actually have to win a game or two this week of the Big Ten tournament to actually clinch their spot as an at-large seed if they don't win the tournament. Purdue, though, they have the best odds to win the Big Ten tournament. Maryland is actually next, even though they've lost two straight. They have a couple big wins this year with Michigan State, Northwestern, and Indiana up next. So for my Big Ten pick, Big Ten tournament, I'm going to go with... Big fact incoming! Indiana, because I think that they have the highest ceiling in the conference. They can be frustrating at times to watch. Like, I've seen some times this year, I'm just like, how are you losing this game? But when they turn it on, I think they're the best team in the league. But Trace Jackson Davis versus Zach Eady in the Big Ten Final, Sunday, 3.30, CBS, right before Selection Sunday show, that would be amazing. The 2023 Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament presented by TIAA begins Wednesday from the United Center in Chicago. The championship game is this Sunday. And all the games can be watched on either the Big Ten Network or CBS. So now let's we're done with the big conferences, thank goodness. Let's go to the PAC, the West Coast, the PAC-12 conference. I mean, the jokes are just going to keep coming about the PAC-12 being a dead conference walking. UCLA and USC, they're packing up ship next summer, 2024. They're off to the Big Ten. But you know what? They're still here this year. They're going to be here next year. Those jokes are probably warranted, though, because... Those two teams make up two of the top three spots of the Pac-12 tournament. Arizona's also up there, but there's major question marks about viability for the NCAA tournament beyond that. So let's start out with the top seed, the number two team in the country, UCLA. The games I've watched of UCLA this year, I have loved watching UCLA this year, not just because... Bill Walton commentates a lot of their games, and I love him. But also, they're just fun to watch. Their four losses this year came with two back-to-back games, meaning they've had a lot of big winning streaks, including they've won the last 10 games to close out the regular season. Another fact! They split the series in the regular season, both with Arizona and USC, but they closed out with some tough dubs on the road against teams like Utah, Colorado, and Oregon. And you'll know some of these names on this team. They've been here a couple years now. Jaime Hawkes Jr., Tiger Campbell. They're both averaging over 13 points per game. And then you've got junior Jalen Clark. He's been on the team, but he made a massive jump this year to become a major contributor for the Bruins. They've been great this year. And I think they really have only one major competitor in the conference this year. And that would be the two seed of the Pac-12, the number eight in the country, Arizona Wildcats. Second year coach Tommy Lloyd. He's proving that last year's freshman phenom run to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament was not a fluke. Azulis Tabellis, the junior from Lithuania, he may be the best 20 point scorer you haven't heard of this year because I don't think a lot of people are talking about him in comparison with the likes of Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis and others. But he also leads the team in rebounds. He's averaging nine per game. 
Umar Bala, Courtney Ramey, Kirk Kreisa, and Pell Larson. They're also double-digit scorers. And Arizona has the depth you need to go play deep into the month of March. They've lost two of their last three, though. They had a nine-point defeat at UCLA to end the regular season, and they lost on a buzzer beater to Arizona State at home, which was a well-passed half-court buzzer beater, if I'm remembering correctly. That was pretty crazy. But that UCLA game to end the regular season, maybe looking for some revenge in the final if they meet up. Big game alert! We could see. And then the third seed is USC. They're led by Boogie Ellis. He's averaging 18 points per game, and Drew Peterson is averaging 14 a game. The Trojans did get a victory over UCLA at home, but they lost their other three games against the Bruins in Arizona this year. They also suffered a back-to-back setback of the state of Oregon, and they don't really pop out when you look at them just statistically and from their schedule. Bracketology has them as a 10th seed at the moment, so they probably are in, but they may need to win at least one game this week to go dancing. And they're going to face the winner of the six-seed Arizona State and the 11th seed Oregon State. They will play USC well on Thursday. Then you've got Oregon the Ducks rounding out the top four with Joe Lenardi putting them in the next four out category. So they're probably going to have to beat at least Well, they're going to have to beat the winner of Washington State, California in the quarterfinal on Thursday. Then they're probably going to have to beat probably UCLA in the semifinal on Friday if they want any chance of going to the tournament. The Ducks do have a 19-point win over Arizona. That's pretty nice. But losses to Washington, Washington State, Stanford, and Colorado. And even in the non-conference, they lost to UC Irvine and Utah Valley. Who? That's really hurt them this year. And if they are able to make a run this week, it's going to be because of one of Nafali Dante, Jermaine Cuisnard, and Will Richardson. They all average over 12.5 points per game. The rest of the conference, though, I don't know. It just doesn't look tournament ready. The sixth seed, Arizona State, they probably have the best chance out of the rest of making the tournament. They'll likely need to reach the final to do that, though. And poor Cal. Cal, the last seed, 12. They've only won three basketball games all year long. It's been rough in Berkeley. So sad. But at the top, UCLA, they're the clear favorites in this event. Arizona's firmly next up. USC rounds out the top three. So for my Pac-12 tournament pick, I'm thinking it's going to be a UCLA and Arizona final. I think it's going to be a great game. And I think UCLA is going to pull out a tight one. The Bruins! But the top of the conference, they've got two title contenders, and I think the rest, sorry, but it's just totally forgettable. I've got UCLA winning the Pac-12 tournament, the 2023 Pac-12 Men's Basketball Tournament, presented by New York Life, begins Wednesday from T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, starts on Wednesday, championship game is Saturday, 10.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, and you can watch all the games on the Pac-12 network or on ESPN. Five conferences down, one more to go. That would be the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. It just means more. And a couple years ago, it really seemed like the SEC was really investing into basketball. And I feel like that's definitely paid off right now. And over the last few years, it's translating into a conference that has five ranked teams at the moment. And that doesn't even include some typical powers of the conference. 
The question really is, though, could the SEC become the new Big Ten? You know, the SEC really hasn't had a national champion in men's college basketball since Kentucky did it back in the day. 2012, I looked that up and was like, that's 11 years ago. The SEC hasn't won a men's basketball national championship since then. That's a fact! You know, a conference that is really good, but beats itself up in the regular season and can't produce a champion in March. The best case, though, for a champion from the SEC likely comes from their top seed, number four in the country, Alabama. The Crimson Tide, though, they have been covered in controversy basically most of the season. Darius Miles, he murdered a woman with a gun. He was kicked off the team, and apparently star freshman Brandon Miller was the one who drove to the scene to give Miles the gun. Miller's one of the best players in the country, though. He's averaging nearly 20 points per game, 8 rebounds, shooting 40% from 3, but he's still playing with all that. There's a cloud over the program, and it doesn't look like it's going to go away. Mark Sees and Noah Clowney, though, they're also double-digit scorers for a team whose only conference losses came on the road at the hands of Tennessee and Texas A&M. And speaking of the Aggies from College Station, number 18, Texas A&M, they're the two-seed in the SEC this year. And Buzz Williams, Brent, has built that team up over the last few years. Wade Taylor, the fourth, averages 16 points per game. Tyrese Radford also scores in double figures. Boots. The Aggies aren't a flashy team. That's not how Buzz Williams rolls. But each of the last six games for A&M, they were decided by 10 points or less and the Aggies won five of them. And so, it hasn't been convincing, but Texas A&M has definitely snuck their way up into conversation of the best in the Southeast. And now the third seed is number 23, Kentucky. Kentucky's kind of been a little weird because it's been rough the last couple of years. They were really good last year, but they ran into the Peacocks. St. Peter's, I mean, who was going to beat St. Peter's last year? Spitting the truth. North Carolina, I guess. but. Kentucky, you know, it's kind of been weird under John Calipari. They haven't been their normal selves, maybe, the last few years. They expect a lot. Early conference losses to South Carolina, Missouri, and a blowout loss to Alabama. It wasn't looking good, but John Calipari somewhat righted the ship. Oscar Deshibwe, he's another top player in the country. He's returned for another stellar year. 16 points per game, 13 rebounds is what he's averaging. And then you've got Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, and Kaysen Wallace, who are each averaging over 10 points per game. They've had some recent losses, though, that were bad, Georgia and Vanderbilt, but big-time wins over Tennessee and Auburn. Those show that this Kentucky team is a lock for the NCAAs, and if they want to, they've got a lot of talent, they can make some noise. But how about this stat I've got about Kentucky? They've won 32 SEC tournaments. The rest of the conference has won 30 combined. And that even includes one that was won by Georgia Tech in 1938. Cool facts, bro. When Georgia Tech was a member of the SEC. A long time ago. 85 years, to be precise, actually. But the fourth seed in the SEC, big surprise. I mean, even for those in to college basketball who actually watch it 
Number 25, Missouri getting a double bye in the SEC tournament is probably surprising. The Tigers, though, they ended the regular season on a four-game winning streak. They were also able to beat Illinois, Kentucky, Arkansas, and Iowa State while all four of those teams were ranked. Kobe Brown's averaging 16 points per game. Demoy Hodge and DeAndre Golston, they've also been reliable Beckett getters for Missouri. I mean, we'll see. Missouri in the SEC really hasn't been up there in men's basketball. This is kind of uncharted territory for the Tigers. And then the fifth seed is number 17, Tennessee. They are led by Santiago Vescovi's 12.7 points per game. The Vols, they've won the games they needed to, but the games they kind of want to to reach the next level, like Kentucky, A&M, Auburn, they couldn't finish those. They do have a big win at home over Alabama, though. Jerry Stackhouse actually has Vanderbilt sixth, thanks to big wins of the SEC over Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Their non-conference slate wasn't that great, though. They've gotten a lot better after losing to the likes of Southern Miss, VCU, and Grambling. That was kind of rough. But they're probably going to need to win a couple games this week to make the tournament. But then you've got Arkansas. Arkansas was 8-10 and 10 in the conference this year. They've lost three straight. They should be in, but they play Auburn in their first game in that 7-10 matchup on Thursday in the second round of the SEC tournament. They might want to win that game to make sure they're in. But Auburn also probably needs to beat Arkansas to get off the bubble. That's like the ultimate bubble game. Arkansas-Auburn on Thursday. Joe Lenardi has Mississippi State in the last four in, which probably means in that 8-9 matchup they have against Florida, they can't really afford to trip up in that game either. And Alabama, they have the best odds to win the SEC title this week. Tennessee, Kentucky, and Texas A&M, though, they all have decent odds to hoist the trophy on Sunday. The SEC, my pick, final conference tournament pick. How about that? I'm going to go with Kentucky because there's a lot of talent on that team. There always is under Calipari, but I feel like they've shown glimpses that they can beat some of the best. Will they be able to put it together? That's a big question. That'll be the difference, especially if they face Texas A&M in the semifinals or if they get to the final, perhaps Alabama. We'll see. But I've got Kentucky in the SEC. The 2023 SEC Men's Basketball Tournament, which begins on Wednesday, and the championship is on Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. Eastern on ESPN. All those games can be watched on the SEC Network or on ESPN. So, there you have it. The Power 6 conferences, the big conference tournaments this week, Now you know all the facts, and you know who's going to win. Too many facts. How about that? But besides those, I've got, you know, just a couple of other teams you might want to focus on this week. Talk about the American Athletic Conference. They, of course, host the nation's top-ranked team. That's number one, Houston. And their game against Memphis last Sunday went down to the wire. Kendrick Davis, he's averaging 21.5 points per game for Memphis this year. DeAndre Williams is averaging 17 points per game for the Tigers. And then for the Houston Cougars, Marcus Sasser's 17 points per game. They have been huge this year. And then you've got the Mountain West. Mountain West at points this season, they actually had a better Ken Palm aggregate rating than the ACC and the Pac-12. Ugh. They've been led by number 20, San Diego State. Matt Bradley's averaging 13 points per game. They're a lock for the tournament. Utah State and Nevada are two other teams to watch. 
they would be in if they could win in the conference tournament, but right now they're in Joe Lenardi's last four in. So there you basically have it. There's the fact-filled look at all the college basketball, the biggest college basketball conference tournaments that are going on this week. The basketball this week is going to be incredible because obviously it's one of the best weeks of the year. It's champ week! I love champ week so much. Basketball on, like, on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You're going to have conference tournament basketball. It's not just regular college basketball. This is college basketball that means something, where the players are playing their hardest, playing their hearts out, because some of these teams need to win these games to keep playing into the NCAA tournament, which they really want to do, or maybe just want to improve their seating or make a name for themselves. This is the best college basketball, and it's going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, starting at like noon Eastern every day and going until like 1 a.m. It is awesome. I love Champ Week. And this is going to go until Sunday, conference tournaments. That's when they wrap up. And then we have the selection show where 68 teams who will be in the tournament are revealed. That will be this Sunday, 6 o'clock Eastern on CBS. And also, I just have to give a quick shout out because I forgot because I was going to do it earlier, but the women's tournament, if you haven't been watching women's college basketball, that's been pretty crazy this year too. My Virginia Tech Hokies are on fire, ladies and gentlemen. They just won their first ever ACC tournament championship. Congratulations. The year after the men won their first. I mean, how about that? But they could actually be a legit number one seed in the NCAA tournament, which they have never done before, men's or women's. That would be insane. But that selection show is also on Sunday at 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Tune into that too, because you can also make a women's bracket. But we're going to talk about the men's bracket, of course, on this podcast. Remember to check out Xander's Weekend Facts, the newsletter that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this Sunday morning, because I'm going to have a recap of the action and what we're going to see in Sunday's finals, give you the updates on which bubble teams could be in, which ones could be staying home, what it all looks like, what the landscape is shaping out to be on Sunday morning. Check it out, Xander's Weekend Facts, because we have so many facts to go around. And then, of course, we're going to do it again. A third time now on this podcast, we're going to have my exclusive bracket reveal right here on the Xander's Facts podcast. Of course, you're not going to want to miss it. The first year we did this, people were probably like, why is this person hyping up their exclusive bracket reveal? Now you all are like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. Because uh, I think two years ago, 2021, who did I pick to win the national championship? It was Baylor. Then last year. I picked Kansas. Yeah, I did. And you all heard it here first on this podcast. So, I mean, whoever I'm going to pick next week, that's going to be the national champion, y'all. Just saying. So, you probably are going to want to listen. No one cares. To next week's podcast, another one of our favorite podcasts that we do every year. It's going to be the third year in a row that we're doing it now. Our exclusive March Madness bracket reveal. Listen to that next week. One of the best podcasts of the year. 
episode 98 next week on the Xander's Facts podcast. How about that? But before we go, we're done with conference tournaments and college basketball. Before we wrap up episode 97 of the Xander's Facts podcast, I just wanted to mention regional sports networks because that's kind of like a big sports topic that not a lot of people are talking about right now but it could be something like really big like in the near future regional sports networks the way you watch your favorite teams that could be changing pretty soon because you might not know what i'm talking about when i say regional sports network but if you're a fan of a team in the nba the nhl or the mlb or just a fan of the league you probably know what I'm talking about when I say RSN, or Regional Sports Network. But if you don't know, our Regional Sports Network is a cable channel that broadcasts sports programming to a local area. ESPN is a sports network and it broadcasts nationwide, so is FS1 and CBS Sports Network. But those broadcast nationwide. A Regional Sports Network only broadcasts in a certain region of the country, hence the name Regional Sports Network. Like, take for instance, NBC Sports Washington, which is my local regional sports network because I live in Virginia. You can only watch NBC Sports Washington if you live in its market. So basically, Virginia, DC, Maryland, and the surrounding area. You can't watch or get the channel if you live in some place like California, for instance, because they have other regional sports networks there. And these channels have the rights to a lot of sports programming, like NBC Sports Washington carries the Washington Wizards and the Washington Capitals. You know, not the games that are on ESPN or TNT, the games that aren't nationally televised. They air on NBC Sports Washington because that network carries the local rights to these teams because they play 82 games each year. Not all their games are going to be on national television. It's true! And this model's been going on for basically decades and decades, and it's been very financially beneficial to the companies that have owned them. But the cutting the cord trend has been picking up over the last few years. People aren't subscribing to cable as much anymore, and these networks haven't been making as much money. Or in some cases, they're not making any money at all, because these networks make most of their money from carriage fees. So, you know, in order to have them on their platforms, cable companies like Comcast and DirecTV, they pay the RSN however much money per subscriber, something like 3 to $5 per subscriber. But less people are subscribing to cable, which means less people are subscribing to the RSNs, so they're not making as much money. And they actually have a significant expense, the RSNs do, which is paying the teams for their local rights. It's not cheap for those either. Plus, I mean, like, unless you want to pay a ton of money per month for this huge cable package, many people can't even watch their own team, even in their own market. Like, there's some cable and streaming companies that have even dropped the RSNs altogether because they're charging more, because obviously they want to make up for the less subscribers, so they want more money from their existing subscribers, and the cable companies don't want to pay that much, so they just drop them. So a lot of people can't even watch their own team. Like in D.C., we also have another regional sports network, which is called Masson, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, which carries the Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nationals. I have YouTube TV. 
which has NBC Sports Washington, but it doesn't have Masson. If I wanted that, I'd have to go to Comcast, but Comcast is a lot more expensive than YouTube TV. So, you know, I'm not going to pay all that much money for baseball. Judge Xander. You know, a lot of people don't like that. But a reckoning, I think, could be coming for regional sports networks because this whole RSN model looks like it's about to change. I mean, the RSNs, as I said, aren't making as much money. They're losing money in some cases, like with Sinclair. Sinclair is the company that owns a lot of those conservative local television stations. They also own Diamond Sports Group, which operates the Bally Sports RSNs, which used to be, if you remember, the Fox Sports RSNs. Those are networks like Bally Sports Sun in Florida, Bally Sports South in Atlanta, Bally Sports North in Minnesota. Diamond owns 19 regional sports networks across the country, and they own the rights to 42 MLB, NBA, and NHL teams. They're also in, though, a lot of debt, like $8 billion worth. Get that dough! And last month, they missed the debt payment, and this month, they are almost certainly, they're going to declare bankruptcy. And while they're promising that they can keep carrying the games, they may not even be able to pay the teams their rights fees, which could be a bit of trouble for these teams, because, you know, especially baseball and basketball and hockey, they get significant money from these local deals. And, you know, if they don't get that money, that could be a little bit of trouble. Warner Brothers Discovery operates the AT&T Sportsnet networks. They actually announced that at the end of this month, they are closing their four channels and that the 10 teams that this affects are going to need to reach an agreement to get their rights back. So that means that MLB, the NBA, and the NHL, they need to find a way to get these games on the air. Which, I mean, we still don't know how that's going to happen. Could they just put it on the NBA or the MLB or the NHL app? Could it be on a separate cable channel? We don't know how that's all going to work. And this might be the same predicament that teams from Bally Sports could soon be in. You know, like, the RSN model, it's losing money. It doesn't look sustainable anymore. And this could mean that the leagues could take back these local rights. Like... You know, if you want to watch an out-of-market game that airs on a regional sports network where you don't live, you can watch it on NBA League Pass. Like, I can watch the Lakers or the Clippers or the Warriors or the Phoenix Suns or the Boston Celtics or whatever on NBA League Pass, which is like $100 or $150 a month. MLB TV. I can watch all the other teams except for the Nationals and the Orioles on MLB TV for $100 or $150 per season. So I can't watch my local team on that, but I can watch every other team. But maybe soon, these could include rights for local teams. Although, if you wanted your local team, the cost would probably go up. Probably by a lot. That's impressive. But this could have a significant effect on teams, too. These teams in baseball, basketball, and hockey, they're likely not going to make the same amount of money from a streaming service than on an RSN, because the reason RSNs, that model has worked out so well, is because a lot of people pay the RSN money on cable, but a lot of those people don't even watch it. 
you know, you have a cable bundle, you're paying for all those channels, but maybe you're only watching a few of those channels. RSNs have profited off of that pretty well, but it's not working anymore. They're not making as much money. They're losing money now. You know, this is going to affect probably the NBA a little less because they've got a new TV deal coming up soon. They could, you know, easily get their local rights and put them on their NBA League Pass and sell them to whatever, Amazon or Apple or whoever knows what's going to happen with that. That's going to happen in like the next year or two. We're going to find that out. But MLB has 162 games a year, and they just signed a new national deal with TBS and Fox and ESPN. And they get more money than the NBA and NHL for these local rights because they air a lot more games. So, you know, that could have a pretty big effect on baseball and maybe not so much on basketball. But if the teams don't make as much money, that means they may not pay as much in salaries. Again, NBA is probably going to make a lot more money with their national deal in a couple of years, so it's probably not going to affect them. But with baseball, I mean, it could, especially when there's no salary cap, but there's also no salary floor. So this new model, which might emerge, might be kind of like what Apple and MLS are doing, which we've talked about on this podcast. You know, it works for MLS to have every single game, no blackouts on at one place because, you know, they're making a lot more money now than what they were before. MLS was on these Bally Sports RSNs and the AT&T Sportsnet ones and NBC Sports Washington doing all that. But now just, you know, without selling their local rights, they're all just nationally on one platform. They're making a lot more money. MLS might be a little different because it's a lot smaller. So we'll have to wait and see what the effects are for teams in baseball, basketball, and hockey. But this whole way that we watch sports on TV is totally changing. Seriously? Because of what MLS is doing with Apple. If that works out, that could become the norm. Is, you know, we just pay for, I want to watch the NFL. I'm going to get the NFL season pass. Or I want to watch NBA, so I'm just going to get that pass or whatever. That instead of, you know, paying for all of ABC and ESPN and TNT, I could just pay for the NBA. I mean, MLS and Apple basically just cut out the middleman. MLS is putting all their games on one service, and the ones that are on TV on Fox are still available on Apple. So you can still get them there. So maybe because these RSNs are basically going broke, that might be what happens in the near future with how you watch your favorite teams on TV. Something's going to change. We don't know what it's going to look like, and it could happen in the next few months or years, but it's not going to be the same way that it is now. That is for sure. That's a fact. That's a lot of facts. And that is basically all I've got for our regional sports networks, for our college basketball topics, That's all I got for this week's edition of the Zaders Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 97. And remember that if you liked all the facts that I had on this week's edition of the podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 97, rate and review the podcast, then go on all our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I'm on all those at Zaders Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. Spread the facts! 
Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, about our YouTube channel, Xander's Facts is on YouTube. All our new episodes get posted there, including this one, episode 97. You should go check that out. You can check out the Xander's Facts link tree. It has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, including for the Xander's Facts website, xandersfacts.com, which includes the Xander's Facts shop, where you should get your facts swag. That is episode 97. Episode 98 is coming up next week. Xander's exclusive bracket reveal. That's right. I just referred to myself in the third person. That's how big it is. March Madness is coming up. It is next week. And before you watch a single game, listen to my bracket reveal. You're going to want to do that. Xander's Facts Podcast, episode 98, next week. And also, little tease, I've got a very, 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 very big announcement regarding Xander's Facts next week. It is good. This is a very good announcement because it means more facts for you all. I think you're going to like it. Big announcement next week, episode 98, Must Listen Podcast. Remember to check it out next Wednesday. It'll be episode 98 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 97 of the Xander's Facts Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And the Xander's Facts Podcast rolls on with episode 98 next week. Marshall Dye.